0: Hello, and welcome to That Pregnancy Podcast. This week, we are talking about handling information overload. Now, before we jump in the episode, I'm going to ask you a favor. If you are enjoying our show or you like love a specific episode, we would love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's a great way for other people and new listeners to really gauge what our show is all about. Okay, so... Going into our discussion about handling information overload. Now, this is something that I found really overwhelming and conflicting once I became a mom. And at times, this overload, it can be super intimidating. It can make you feel inadequate. It can make you feel judged and lost and overwhelmed. It's just, it's everywhere. Well, we live in
1: the information age, right? And so, like, our parents would never have experienced this to the same degree because they didn't have Google to Google everything, right? Like, you either got it from a friend or family member, um, your information, or, like, a book, right? Like, people always read books, and now everyone's Googling and
0: reading blogs, and there's just so much information out there. Yeah, I will admit, like, I really this really, really came to like a realization for me when I was first pregnant with Freya. And I was so overwhelmed and like overloaded with the information of being pregnant. And I will admit like, it wasn't so much in my pregnancy with my miscarriage because I was very, very naive. I didn't know. Um, and then I, I lost the pregnancy and then I, so I, I, didn't have the time to learn or about anything, but when I was pregnant with Freya, I knew a lot more, um, in the beginning, but I was so intimate, like just so overwhelmed with everything that I just, the only way that I could cope with that was by stopping learning. If that makes sense. I just, I couldn't handle the massive amounts of information. So when I was, and I've talked about this before, like when I was pregnant with Freya, I didn't do any research i didn't read any books like i did no preparation whatsoever on like the information side because i found it so overwhelming
1: well that's just it like sometimes you need to tune it out or figure out a way that you can turn everything off so that you don't experience information overload right and that's exactly what you did so for you that was a way that you could handle it you just didn't read it, right? Yes. Like you you knew that you could
0: figure it out. I yeah, I figured I I learned my information through my doctor, right? If I had a question, I went to my doctor and that was the information. That was my source of information. I didn't look for outside sources. Now, Peter on the other hand, he did all the reading. He booked our prenatal class right? Like that was his way of coping with the massive amounts of information was by seeking out more information, which is very out of character for him, I will say. Um, But it was a really great experience because he took the lead on learning. And I learned through him, he would share me information um, in books that he would read. he's like, oh, this, you know, he read what to expect when you're expecting. So every week he would like, kind of, summarize the like big important developments or changes and like an interesting fact. And so I'd learn it that way. Um but yeah I for me when I was pregnant with Freya my my coping strategy was sticking my head in a hole and ignoring about what was gonna happen.
1: Well it's funny because for me what I did is I tried to like filter and sort through the information. So there's only certain sources that I would get information from if that makes sense so like one was baby center I really liked baby center and I joined their mailing list so I would get the weekly updates as to what was happening in the growth of the baby and stuff and I'd share that with my mom and my mom my mother-in-law and so we all kind of bonded over that um and then like there were a few blogs that I had found uh, particularly about twins that I really enjoyed um, and like sometimes you'd read a blog and you're like yeah no this person's totally not for me um and then other times I'm like yeah I could totally get that person and there was a couple twin books that I really liked and the one was actually written by a doctor who had twins so I'm like that's a pretty credible source right um so yeah so I was looking for like kind of credible sources women that had experiences that I could like kind of align with that I could like see myself in their experiences And, uh, you know, and that's part of why we're kind of sharing our experiences and trying to share other women's experiences so that our listeners can kind of relate to maybe us or one of the guests on our show.
0: Beyond me sticking my head in the sand, um, there are some things and I've since learned to do this in, you know, after. after Freya was born, I, then I really started to be able to like figure out and how to manage the information overload. And so we've come up with a couple of ideas um, and strategies that we have kind of developed since becoming moms to help us manage this massive amount of information overload, haven't we?
1: Yeah, so we've kind of got four points. The first one being decide what works best for you and your baby. Yeah. So there's gonna there's gonna be a lot of different information out there, and some of it you'll immediately be able to discard because it it won't be something that you're interested in or you feel like that's the way you want to parent, and that's okay. That's okay that that's the way they want to parent, and you want to do it differently. So you know you just kind of like I had mentioned before, uh, kind of decide what's gonna work for you, and kind of like figure out by listening to podcasts or reading blogs or or magazine articles and stuff right like there's parenting magazines that are online and such so you just kind of have to kind of sift through and then kind of like pick what you both most, most align with
0: well yeah you have to sit and you have to decide on what are your you know what's important to you what are your values your beliefs as a family, you and your partner, um, or, you know, in your parenting style, like what sits well with you and how you want to live your life every day and what is important to you in in life. Um, And, you know, you can look at it reflectively as well, because you know, we all come from backgrounds that have some great stuff and some and, you know, when we become parents, we can make we make the choice of what type of parent we are going to be. And um, we can also choose what type of parent we will not be. Right. So we can look at the positive things and look at information that way and also say, I'm not going to repeat that information that I've, you know, I experienced or that experience you can just, you know, you you look at your values or in your experiences and how that has shaped you as an individual. And ultimately, that will also shape you as a mom and as a parent, because we have the choice to decide how we want to parent, how we want to be a mom, but also how we don't want to be a mom. And that is often tied to our experiences from our own child, childhoods.
1: Yeah because you realize the things that you you liked in your parents, the things that they did, uh, the things that, and the things that you wish that they did. Or, right?
0: they, or let's let's not let's be honest, like not everybody has great experiences. It has great childhood, well, right? So it's yeah. not just like what you wish they did, but it's also what they did and you didn't like right? Yeah. Because it, it works. We don't have to sugarcoat it because the reality is, you know what? Some people have really shitty childhoods and that also, it can dictate, you know, how you're going to be as a parent um, because you want to give them better, a better child, your child, a better childhood than you experience. I know that for, from experience, my dad has talked to me about that a number of times. And he has said like, I will never be, what I grew up in. He has told me like in speaking to my dad about how he interacts with my kids and everything and how hands-on he is and everything. So he's talking from like a grandparent point of view, but he said it also did shape him as a parent with my brother and myself. And then um, from, you know, identifying and finding things that fit with your beliefs and your values and sit well with you as a family or you and up as a parent, where do you go from there, Amanda?
1: You kind of have to figure out what's
0: important to you. And then you have to figure out why it's important to you. So we're th- right. it's like further reflecting on why it's, why these things fit well with you.
1: Yeah. It's kind of flushing out and figuring out, like, for example, like there's different methods to parenting, right. And like different methods within parenting. So like some people, uh, will sleep train for example some people will do the cry it out method some people won't do the cry it out method so like you kind of have to like figure out what works for you and then figure out why that works for you because that kind of like leads into like other things too right
0: you know when you find a piece of information on a topic that fits with you that does kind of create a line of parenting or a style of parenting that other decisions kind of align with in along the growth and experience as a mom. Um, Because you, you know, it's parenting. If you're going to visualize it, you know, you start with a decision and then that decision then kind of rolls into another decision and are you going to be jumping from like lily pad to lily pad, or are you going to be rolling, making your choices kind of on a rolling continuum where one choice leads into another choice that quite often will lead into another choice. And, you know, it's a little bit more linear. doesn't mean that you can't be kind of all using all different styles of parenting. Um, But you, when you make a choice because of your beliefs, you will probably make similar choices on other topics because of your beliefs.
1: Exactly, which is why it's important to really figure out why certain, like your initial style is important to you. So number three is reflect on how the things will make you feel, right? So like if you go back to the example of, of sleeping, you know, some people... Some, some women will not be able to do the cry it out method. It just doesn't align with how they want to parent and they can't do it because it would make them anxious or um, they just don't believe in it. So you kind of have to reflect on how the different styles make you feel. So maybe you can't do the cry it out method, but there maybe you still will sleep drain.
0: Yeah. So I think like what you're kind of trying to say is essentially like when you, when you were thinking of information or making a decision on a type of, on like a group of information, if you're aware of how it makes you feel. And if those feelings are negative, if you're, you know, they're causing, like you said, stress or anxiety, or it just like your mom gut is like a little bit tight or not. You're like, ah, something's just not right then odds are that decision is not right for you. That information is not right for you. And that's okay because just because that information isn't right for you doesn't mean it's not right for someone else. Um, it's just, you have to think about, it's important to be aware of how you make your feel, things make you feel because I think in life, just in general, like sometimes we make I know I have, I've made choices, not as a parent, but just as a, as a person, I've made a choice. Um, Probably like when I was younger, where I would follow kind of the general, you know, you know, consensus and do like, make a choice to like, I don't know, take a course or if I was in school or, you know, you just make a choice because that's kind of what you're supposed to do. And even though it doesn't it didn't feel right. I still did it, but ultimately it was never, but I wasn't strong enough in myself to be like, no, I'm going to be, I'm going to make the choice that's right for me. I'm going to, you know, go with the flow. And so it is important to be aware of how your decisions make you feel, because if you're not feeling good about it, it's not the right choice for you. And that's okay. Well, like one thing though is like when it becomes when. Let's think about this in the context of being a mom, right? So I think moms, we feel, we, not even we feel, being a mom is a very judgmental space, right? Moms are constantly scrutinized. Moms are constantly being judged by people on the outside. And everybody has an opinion on how you should be raising your baby, what you should be doing in your pregnancy, right? Like everybody feels like they have the right to comment or, you know, try and make decisions for you as a woman. Um, And I might be on a little bit of a soapbox, perhaps at the moment with just like what's been happening, you know, in, um, in, you know, society, but, you know, women are generally, there's a lot of commentary about what women should be doing and how they should be doing it. Um, and those, when you kind of make a, make, when you are processing information and you make a choice that is right for you, that people don't necessarily agree with those come with really heavy emotions that are then put on you, right? You're judged, um, you're scrutinized and, and it takes a lot of strength to be able to stand up and say, no, this is the choice that I'm making. And I think for a lot of women, I think when we're younger, we quite often, I know I did, I did struggle with standing up for myself and you know making the best choices that were for best for me. But once I became a mom, you weren't just making choices that were just I wasn't just making choices for myself. I was making choices for Freya. And what was best for her. And that gave me the strength, um, to make the choices that I wanted to make before, but now I'm going to make it because I'm going to stand up and do it for my daughter. Um, and I think one thing, like, it makes me think of is what's the saying when you have a baby, you also, you, you know, labor and delivery at pregnancy, you give birth to a baby, but you also give birth to a mother. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I yeah. think I think that comes into play when you become a mom. You become more strong in the sense of standing up and reflecting and acting and making choices that are best suited for you and your family. I think that was a very you know soapboxy roundabout way of trying to articulate what I was trying to say, but um, it's okay to not go. And make choices that don't sit right with you if they don't feel right
1: well that kind of leads us into the fourth one which is just trust your gut like your gut is going to be right right especially if your your gut is common sense like it's going to be right so just always trust your gut there's that mom gut for a reason
0: Well, mom gut is so powerful. And I think people try and discredit it sometimes, but really like there is a really strong sense in mom gut and you need to trust your gut. Like when you feel something, odds are it's right. Like there, it really is. It sounds silly to someone who doesn't, you know, when you try and explain it to someone who's not a mom, but it's true. Like once you have that baby, you just know you have this sixth sense and you just know in your gut, like something is right. Something is not right. Um, and you know, like, Oh, this is going to work or this is not going to work. <laughs> like, so it is true. You just need to trust in your decisions and trust in your mom gut for sure. Thank you for listening to
1: this episode of That Pregnancy Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for an upcoming show, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Best Life Moms Club. Until next time.